When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. NFC and AFC Championship Weekend. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. The two best. And, and, and let's be honest. I, I truly believe that the NFL got it right. Right? I mean, can, can you ask for two better matchups? The 49ers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. I really do wish that Patrick Mahomes was 100% and, and he wasn't coming into this game with an ankle injury, uh, even though, of course, Adam Schefter is reporting that he's been full go at practice and he feels great and yada, yada, yada. Oh, okay. Okay. We, we know what's going to happen. He's going to shoot that ankle up with all kinds of stuff that's going to make it feel good. And then he's going to come into the game. And um, my concern is, does he make it through the game? Because... You know, you, you, you've got a <laughs> th- that that ankle injury is like blood in the water. And and that those Cincinnati Bengals players, boy, they're going to be like sharks. I'm expecting a lot of low tackling to happen in that game with Cincinnati and in Kansas City. But we've got a great show lined up for you. Tom and Chantel are, uh, are producing the show this evening. Uh, it's been a minute, Tom, since you and I've been together. You know, you've, you've moved on to bigger and better things, man. You're doing you're doing the K show. You're doing you know, uh, Han and, and Barton Han and man, you're big time, dude. Yeah. I don't know if I would you're, call you're it. slumming it tonight with me. Oh no, 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 no. Let's not call it that. That's downplaying <laughs> it. We're all in this together here at the station. You got to chip in at any shift, anytime, whenever they ask you to. Well, I, I miss you. I miss working with you. Um, I know we when were, you started we worked your- together last Sunday. Yeah. But it, I, I mean, we used to work together all the time. Now that, I feel like true. it's, it's, and now I feel it's like it's it's sporadic, and who knows once once the football season's over and uh, you know we don't have a New York Game Day show, who knows? Maybe I'll you know I don't know. Maybe you know our 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 ships will never cross again, Tom. Who knows? You know you're big time now. You're you're big time now here at ninety eight point seven ESPN. And then we got Chantel, of course, uh, who's uh, who's helping you produce as well. So great to be with both of you this evening. Uh, we do have a great show lined up for you. Uh, it's going to be a mixed bag of a lot of stuff. But at the end of this show, trust me, you are going to be in the know uh, exactly what to expect, at least, w- w- and, and not just my view or, or my analysis or my interpretation of how I think game plan or, or game is going to flow in both the AFC and NFC. But we, we've got a number of really good people who are going to be on the show. Adam Teicher, who covers the Kansas City Chiefs, he's going to be joining us momentarily. Uh, thought it'd be great to have him on. We all want to know about Patrick Mahomes, right? That ankle. What realistically, what can we expect from him heading into this big matchup against the Kansas against the Cincinnati Bengals? Um, the Bengals, as we know, have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs three times in the last 13 months. I, I full disclosure, like I don't understand this spread, especially with Mahomes coming in with a bum ankle, and now the line is has jumped to minus one and a half. This line's been all over the place, right? 
I want to say it opened up at minus one and a half, and the news broke that Patrick Mahomes' ankle wasn't great, and then uh, Bengals were favored at, at one point at minus one. Then Adam Schefter, a number of people reporting that he he's practicing just fine, everything looks good. The line now moves back, and Kansas City's now favored by one. Now it's up to one and a half. Okay, that's fine. I think the wrong team is favored here. I just I don't get it. I don't get it. I think Cincinnati's the better team. I think Cincinnati's the better team. But nonetheless, uh, Adam Teicher is going to join us on the show. So excited to get him on. Uh, we'll get a look-see behind the curtain. What's going on with Kansas City? How are they preparing? What can we reali- realistically expect from Patrick Mahomes? Um, David Behrman, I like to call him our gatekeeper of everything gambling at ESPN, is going to join us at the top of the hour at 11 o'clock. Uh, we have a great column that was released today. Uh, picks from all of us uh, who contribute to the gambling platform at ESPN with our picks and our plays with both games. So we'll talk about that. Also, uh, some more golf. We've got the Farmers uh, Insurance Open Classic uh, that's that's taking place. Uh, tomorrow, Saturday, is the final day. I think it was really smart uh, the way that they handled this because no, who wa- who wants to compete with the NFL, right? Especially when you're talking about the NFC and AFC. I, I, this, I might enjoy this Sunday more than the Super Bowl because, let's be honest, these four teams, here's the thing. I'm on the Eagles. I'm on the Bengals for a number of reasons. And in the next 90 minutes, you'll hear all the reasons why. Okay? But I won't be shocked if the 49ers won. I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas City won. I, I truly believe going into Sunday, we've uh, like we we have two. To me, we have two Super Bowl matchups because I feel all four of these teams are very deserving of making it to Glendale and representing their conferences in in the Super Bowl. Truly believe that. So I feel like I feel like Sunday is going to be really a, a, a treat because I, I do believe that we're getting two Super Bowl matchups that we get to 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 take in uh the first three o'clock on eastern time of course uh, 49ers going up against the eagles and then 6 30 the later game uh the Bengals going up against kansas city so really excited about that adam teicher is going to jump on board david Behrman's going to join us we'll, we'll talk some nfl we'll talk some golf getting you ready for again the final round tomorrow usually as we know golf typically uh the final round the fourth round is typically on sunday but again they're just avoiding going up against the king of all sports and that is the nfl uh tim mcmanus we'll hear from him he covers the eagles uh for espn uh we'll, we'll get uh we'll get some information from him in regard to what's going on with the eagles I, unfortunately giants not a great outing against the eagles last week so uh easy sledding for this eagles team heading into this matchup right against the 49ers, where the 49ers, different story there, knocked down, drag out, heavyweight bout with the Dallas Cowboys last week. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's dealing with a calf injury. He was able to practice today, by the way. Uh, Elijah Mitchell's dealing with a groin issue. Apparently, Debo Samuel's banged up. So, uh, rough, rough go at it against the Dallas Cowboys, and then they're a team. Obviously, they have to travel across the country. Uh, to come take on the Eagles in Philadelphia. So we'll, we'll talk to Tim McManus. Nick Wagner, who does a great job covering the 49ers, he's going to be joining us on the show. And as always, Fat Jack, fatjacksports.com, professional handicapper. We'll hear from him. What are his picks and his plays? So as you can see, jam-packed show, getting you ready 
for uh, for the NFC and AFC championship games. We'll have a ton of plays, and we'll dive into a, a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of golf. Also, I hosted the um, the Bet Digital show uh, today. So typically, uh, ESPN Plus. Hopefully, you subscribe. Uh, and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I host a 30-minute digital show called Bet. And, uh, and I always like to take clips from that show and play for you. And uh, the Andre, Andre Snellings joined me on the program with his, uh, he's got a, a great column out right now talking about the 76ers and, and some of the futures bets out there in the NBA. And also, he's really big into the Australian Open. So, uh, so we'll get those picks and those plays for you as well. So, uh, round, a really nice rounded show for you, getting you ready for the weekend. Quick break. We come back. We'll hear from Adam Teicher. We'll take you to Kansas City. What's the latest with Patrick Mahomes? That next, right here on Weekend Wager, ninety-eight point seven ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Anyway, without further ado, uh, let's bring in Adam Teicher, uh, covers the Kansas City Chiefs for, uh, for ESPN. And so, you know, Adam, you, you are a wanted man. Uh, you are the $1 million man right now because everybody wants to know how Patrick Mahomes and that ankle is doing. Fill us in. Yeah, he's practicing, and uh, the the focus has shifted from early in the week, could he play on Sunday, to how effective he can be. I mean, it's clear he's going to play, and and, uh, so now can he be a a reasonable facsimile of the player that we know him to be, and and can he scramble around and make those signature throws that he's known for, and uh, you know, he certainly looks more capable and feels more capable of being able to do that after a couple of days of practice this week. 
So, um, you know, we'll see, you know, he, he's uh, even he, but he indicates that, um, and he's right, that practice isn't the best indicator of this. It's not game speed. And he really won't know for sure until he gets out there on Sunday and the Bengals are chasing after him. But he said he thought at that point, adrenaline would kick in and, and give him a boost. So, um, you know, we'll see where he is, but he feels pretty good about it and that he can be somewhat close to the uh, player he was or he has been. Do you think that the game chain, the game plan is going to change because of this high ankle sprain? You know, I, I was reading, I want to say there was a stat out there so far this season. I want to say there's been like over 180 designed rollouts uh, for Patrick Mahomes uh, this, this year with what Andy Reed, of course, as great as he is in, in what he engineers for Patrick Mahomes. Do you think we're going to get a heavier dose of more of a packet possible? pocket passer in this matchup yeah i think so and and keep in mind a lot of those um those rollouts have not been designed they're just more the way the play develops you know he did lead the lead the league in number of passes thrown from outside the pocket um so um you know he he does have that in his game and you know he didn't do it at all after the injury last week against jacksonville so Obviously, he was quite a bit different uh, you know, in terms of uh, what kind of player he was. But uh, he should be a little better at it by Sunday. And, they, you know, another thing to keep in mind, Anita, is that just counting throws from the pocket, he led the league in QBR and, and touchdown passes and, um, and, and first downs and things of that nature. He led the league in passes just from the pocket uh, during the regular season. So, you know, it's. I believe he's 12 and 0 in his career in games where he's thrown 90 percent or more of his passes from inside the pocket. So, you know, it's not like you know he can't play that way if he has to. So, you know, you know the Chiefs feel pretty comfortable he can get the job done, even if he's more of a conventional player than he normally is. Um, let, let's talk about Chad Henney just for a second. Just in, I, I mean, because you never know, right? Like, listen, <laughs> we know how these guys come into a game, right? They're, they smell water. They smell blood in the water. And the sure. blood is that injured ankle. Um, I do expect, and, and Cincinnati has a, a really solid defense, um, to get in and, and get after and, 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 and try to rough him up, obviously get to him. There's a chance that Patrick might not be able to finish this game. With that being said, Give us some insight on Chad Henney because when he came in last week, I know small sample size, uh, he looked good. And he's been with this organization for a while. So he's very familiar with this offensive game plan. Your thoughts on and, and confidence in Chad Henney if he does come in, Adam? Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, the, the, the Chiefs, he's been the backup now for five seasons. And mm-hmm. the, the Chiefs are very familiar with him and don't – don't overlook how important that is. The the coaches know Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy know what he's capable of, what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. So they'll they'll tailor their um, uh, their play calls if he has to come in to what he does well, just like they did last week for the series that they were in or he was in. It was just all short stuff and and um, uh, you know the Chiefs uh, you know really uh, asked him to get the ball out of his hand quickly. So, you know, he's a veteran guy, hadn't played a lot lately, but um, uh, was a former starter in the NFL. It's been a few years now for Jacksonville and for Miami. He was a starter for a time. So, uh, you know, it's not Patrick Mahomes, but uh, the Chiefs feel like 
uh, for a short stretch at least, he can help them win a game. Um, let's look big picture here, right? With Patrick Mahomes and, and us not anticipating him to be 100%, obviously, vintage Patrick Mahomes, and we're talking about how the game plan could change, um, you know, a, a bigger commitment to running the ball. I, I know Jarek McKinnon has been utilized a lot in the passing game. I love watching Pacheco run. I mean, he's just he's such a fun player to watch run. How how much emphasis do you think is going to be given even more so in the rushing game against Cincinnati? Well, you'd think so. And the Chiefs ran the ball well against the Bengals when they played them a few weeks ago. The, the problem with that is I, I never predict the Chiefs are going to run the ball. Andy Reid just – that's not who he is. That's not mm-hmm. uh, what he believes in as a play caller. So, uh, uh, hey, not, not to say it couldn't happen or he wouldn't do it, but uh, I guess I'll believe it when I see it because uh, that's just not who he's been. He's never uh, been one to, to rely on the running game. That That's not how he goes about his business. So, uh, yeah, hey, who, who knows? Maybe uh, on Sunday he'll change his mind on that regard. But uh, – for now, at least, I, I just guess I'd be surprised if the Chiefs use that uh, uh, a lot more heavily maybe than they have during the regular season. Uh, Adam Teicher joining us here on ESPN, doing a deep dive into the Kansas City Chiefs as they get ready to take on Cincinnati. Winner, of course, advances uh, to Glendale, Arizona to represent that conference in the Super Bowl. In looking at the wide receiver position, Juju Smith-Schuster has really not done much as of late. You know what you get with MVS. Interested to hear what you have to say about Kadarius Tony because a lot of folks, obviously in New York, know a lot about him. But I, I really, I think where the concern here is that this is this is a Bengals team. They're actually quite good um, against defending tight ends, and as we know, Kelsey has been the straw that has stirred this drink in in the receiving game. So, your thoughts on on who you think is 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 going to get more targeted and how this how this receiving core, along with of course Travis Kelsey, is going to play out. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think there's any doubt the Bengals will make a greater effort to limit Travis Kelsey than the Jaguars did last week. So I, I certainly don't expect 17 targets or 14 catches for him this time around. So I, I kind of look at Kadarius Tony as sort of the X factor in this game. You know, can the Chiefs get him going? He didn't play against the Bengals the last time around. So, uh, you know, he's uh, th- this is kind of a new thing for him. And uh, he- he's the closest thing the Chiefs have really to Tyreek Hill. He's got some of that same change of direction and, and uh, quickness that Tyreek H- uh, Hill has uh, when, he- when he's running with the ball. So, um, and, he- and he's fast, maybe not Tyreek Hill fast, but he can move. So th- that's kind of the guy I'm wondering about that, uh, you know, he sort of can make the uh, make a difference for the Chiefs in the passing game is uh, Kadarius Tony. I know they want to get him; they'd like to get him the ball, uh, you know, to run after the catch and get him in uh, positions where he can he can do those kinds of things. So uh, we'll see if they're successful or not. But I, I do kind of look at him as being a key figure, no doubt. It will be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Kadarius Tony again. I I know it was quite a few weeks back, maybe a few months back that Travis Kelsey made the comments like, how did, how did the Giants even allow him out of the building? Um, I, I think, I personally believe coming into this, this game, I think, try, I, I think Kadarius Tony could be a real huge asset, right? Like, um, it, it, like yeah. it, his skill set and what he's able to do, just, just being able to just get him the football. And I think because yeah. Cincinnati will be focusing on, on Travis Kelsey, I think he could be a really key point 
if Kansas City is able to to, to win this. Um, you know, what what has been the difference? Do you feel that Kadarius Tony has found happiness and been and wanting to play in health in Kansas City as opposed to uh, what happened in New York? Yeah, well. You know, he, he was drafted by one coach and one general manager in New York. And, and you know, after his rookie year, they had a new crew came, come in there. And, and uh, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't brought there by those guys. And, and the Chiefs, I know, wanted him. They liked him when he was coming out in the draft and wanted to get a shot at him, never did get a shot at him. They tried to trade for him during the offseason and uh, couldn't get him out of New York then, but they were successful at the trade deadline. So, uh you know, he, it's it's basically the uh, you know the Chiefs want him, and uh, um, they they Andy Reid's good at figuring out a player's strengths and his weaknesses, and and working, you know, towards those strengths and away from those weaknesses. So, uh, you know, that's what they've got with Tony. They think that he can be a a, a really productive player in their system. We'll see if they're right, but uh, certainly there's that ability, and I, I agree. I, I do feel like he's going to be a very key player for the Chiefs in this game on Sunday. Uh, let's let's take a look at what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Jones has just been a, a man possessed. You know what you get with Frank Clark, and they're going to have to get in and get after Joe Burrow, who, as we know, Cincinnati, their offensive line banged up. But what's so magnificent about Joe Burrow is that he is a surgeon uh, in the passing game and uh, this past week was able to get rid of the ball in less than 2.5 seconds. What has this defense said about getting after um, getting after uh, Joe Burrow and getting after him as quickly as possible. Yeah, Steve Spagnolo, their defensive coordinator, uh, has talked a lot about Joe Burrow this week. In particular, they, they've got to be controlled when they rush him. They've uh, they've failed in chances to bring him down in previous games. Uh, you know, they've got six sacks against him in the three games they played in the bank against the Bengals the last two years, but four of them were in the, the regular season game last season and only one each in the uh, AFC Championship game last year and then the regular season game this year. So they have not done a very good job getting him on the ground. And uh, they, they, he, Steve Sagnolo has talked about how he calls him nifty, and uh, um, they, they really have a lot of respect for how you know he's not the fastest guy and doesn't move around maybe like a, a Josh Allen certainly, but is very good at avoiding pass rushers. So the Chiefs feel like they need to be um, – uh, disciplined with their pass rush and um, uh, be under control, uh, not, uh, you know, not let him uh, slip through the cracks. So uh, we'll see how successful they are, but I feel like that's another key for this game. They're going to have to uh, figure out how to um, bring Joe Burrow down because uh, they, they've not been very good at that in the uh, three games where they played against him. Last but not least, before we let you go, Jamar Chase, right? It's not just Joe Burrow. It's Jamar Chase, uh, you know, a, a running back and a wide receiver position. Yards off the catch is, is, is just incredible, really uncoverable at times. How, how is this secondary going to match up against Jamar Chase? Yeah, that's the, uh, the, the million-dollar question. And the Chiefs, you know, he's had made some big plays and had some big games against them. So, uh We'll see how successful they are. You know, the Chiefs, they, they play a lot of youth in their secondary. They uh, Two of their top three corners are rookies, and they play a rookie at safety a lot. So they, um, they're, uh, there's some inexperience back there, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do match up against Jamar Chase this time around because, uh, again, they've uh, 
uh, had some problems with him before. So, uh, you know, it all uh, comes back to the pass rush, you know, given they're going to give Joe Burrow as much time as he wants back there, which they have a lot um, in their games against him. It's going to be a real problem uh, in, in the secondary. They're going to pay for that. So, uh Chiefs are going to have to uh, coordinate the whole thing and figure it out because uh, this certainly uh, defensively, when when the Bengals have the ball, it's been a real problem for them. Adam, before we let you go, game plan. How do you see this playing out? As we know, uh, three times in the last 13 months, Cincinnati has beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're obviously coming in with a lot of swagger and a lot of confidence. What do you feel the Chiefs need to do and accomplish in order to, to, to change that narrative? Well, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about is they've got to put Joe Burrow on the ground. They've got to get to him and and put some pressure on him and, and, uh, you know, preferably sack him. Um, You know, one thing the Chiefs have not done very well against the Bengals, another thing is they have not um, created turnovers. They have one turnover in the three games. They did get an an interception in the AFC Championship game. But other than that, that's it. And I I don't know how the Chiefs are really going to win this game without – stealing a couple possessions from the Bengals. I I feel like if they can get a couple turnovers and end possessions that way and maybe create some favorable field position for themselves, I think they've got a shot. So um, to me, it's all about when the Bengals have the ball, can they put pressure on Joe Burrow? Can they force some turnovers? Can they get some things done that way? I think, you know, hey, for all the focus on Patrick Mahomes, and there should be, I think the Chiefs will be okay when they have the ball. It's the other side of the ball that I think is going to determine the game. Great stuff as always. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. You bet, Anita. We'll talk to you soon. So again, Adam Teicher joining us here on uh, on Week and Wager. Great insight on what's going on with uh, with Kansas City. I don't know about you, but listening to him, he doesn't feel too confident about the team he covers. As I said, I, I, just, I, I think the wrong team is favored here. I love this Bengals team. Give me the Bengals plus one and a half. Uh, 11 straight wins. They're 13-5 and five against the spread. 8-2 and two against the spread away. They've covered 22 of their last 26 games. And again, they've beaten the three times in a matter of the last 13 months. What more does this team need to do uh, to, to get the respect of being the team that's favored here? Uh, we just heard Adam say that the Kansas City Chiefs have to create some turnovers. Well, the Bengals have the second lowest turnover rate in the NFL. And I know we sit here and we talk a lot about the Bengals' offense, but their defense is, is, is fantastic. The last six games, opponents are only averaging 16 points a game against them. And Mahomes healthy, Mah- a healthy Mahomes only averages less than 60% completion percentage. Cincinnati quarterback's completion percentage lowest in the NFL against Cincinnati's defense. And now you've got Mahomes with an ankle issue? Mm-mm. No way. This, this Bengals defense, one of the best defenses in the red zone. Only a 52% score rate in the red zone. Fifth lowest in the NFL. Kansas City, 67%. You know what that is? Second highest. So, uh, top to bottom, I like the big cats. Uh, what are the prop bets I'm playing? Uh, Joe Burrow, over 37.5 passing attempts, over 17.5 rushing yards. Dude's been a surgeon, and he's getting the ball out in less than 2.5 seconds. He averages 75% completion percentage against the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs against quarterbacks have given up the second-highest rushing yards per game to opposing quarterbacks. Quarterbacks have rushed for a total of 378 total yards 
against the Chiefs this season. Uh, we heard Adam talk about Jamar Chase. You can't cover him. You can't stop him. Over six and a half receptions, that's how I'm playing it. And also, anytime touchdown, he's got a 31% target share, one of the most targeted wide receivers in the red zone since he's come back from being injured. And oh, by the way, Kansas City, second worst defense against opposing wide receiver ones, which we know Jamar Chase is. They've given up 16 touchdowns to opposing wide receiver ones. Not just wide receivers, wide receiver ones. So how about that? And I've got two sneaky good plays here. Give me Samaj P. Ryan over receptions at two and a half and over also over 15 and a half receiving yards. Um, he has played in more downs in passing game script situations than Mixon. And Kansas City has allowed the most receiving yards to opposing running backs. So I think that's a sneaky good play. And last but not least, uh, McKinnon, over three and a half receptions and over 29 and a half receiving yards. He is the better pass protecting back. And that's what Andy Reid's going to want back there to help protect Patrick Mahomes and Cincinnati 19th against receiving running backs. So I can see where Cincinnati's defense getting after Patrick Mahomes, he's going to have to get out, get the ball out quickly. I think he's going to look Jarek McKinnon's way. So over three and a half receptions and over 29 and a half receiving yards. So that's how I'm playing the Cincinnati uh, Bengals game. A little bit later on, we're going to hear from Nick Wagner. And I will give you, after we, we, we speak to him, I will give you my plays for the 49ers-Eagles game. So stay tuned for that. Quick break. We come back. More coming your way. It's Week in Wager. Anita Marks with you on this Friday night here on 90.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, it's about that time. Welcome back. We can wager here on 98.7 ESPN. And Fat Jack, as he joins us each and every week, it's come down to the final four. FatJackSports.com, that's where you can find him. So uh, let's kick it off first and foremost with the Eagles and the 49ers. Eagles favored by two and a half. The over-under is 46. Fat Jack, how are you playing this? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I'm on a 13-1 and one run right now in football. I mean, just, it almost sounds like a line, but it's the truth. I mean, just unbelievably smoking hot. Mm-hmm. And I think my, I, my, daughter, my daughter called me this morning, and she said, Daddy, are the 69ers going to make it to the Super Bowl? <laughs> and I said, Honey, 100%, the 69ers are not going to make it to the Super Bowl. Now, they may end up trying to compete against the Puppy Bowl on one of those pay-per-view channels, but they are not going to be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I would say the same thing for the 49ers. So I, I think I have to Philadelphia here. I gave them out in August. 
at 25 to 1 to everybody and bet a couple thousand bucks on them. I think they're the more balanced team. And Brock Purdy, I, listen, I love what he's done. I was comparing him to the singer of the Macarena or of Gangnam Style. He's probably not bad. He's more like the dude from American Idol who's the front man for Queen or Vince Gill for the Eagles. I mean, he's serviceable. He's not as good as the original, but he's been getting it done against inferior competition. I think Prescott, after their fourth consecutive road game, went out there, turned the ball over twice at really inopportune times. I don't expect the same thing out of Philadelphia. I think that they're the more balanced team top to bottom, both very good offensively, very good defensively, top two in the league defensively. Uh, but give me Philly at home minus the two and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. A, a few things, and, and let's just let's, let's stay on this quarterback conversation for a second because two things that I, I have concern. So a few things. Number one, I think both these teams um, match up very evenly, right? Both very good defense, you know, a lot of skilled players, a lot of depth, good coaching, a, a lot of similarities. Where I think they differ, obviously, is it, is, it, is it the quarterback situation, right? So for Purdy, we saw that rookie come out, didn't we, against Dallas. Zero touchdowns. I want to say, um, I want to get it right, 39.6 passer rating, only 50% completion on third down. But here's the thing about Hurts. And the giant game plan was to get after Hertz because I still don't believe that shoulder's 100%, Jack, right? But the Giants couldn't even sniff him. The, you know, the Eagles had six, sometimes seven, like, linemen, you know, in, in, in tight ends. They're protecting. I mean, Hertz was not even hit. He wasn't even touched. I think that's going to be a different scenario with the 49ers. So th- that's that's my concern. What 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 are your what are your thoughts about Hurts in 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 that what you saw in that Giants game? Yeah, the, the problem is you get so caught up. It's easy this time of year to get caught up in recency bias. So when we get to this next game, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk a little a lot more about that with the Baltimore and how they play in Buffalo, Cincinnati. You know, it's been the, the tale of two games in the playoffs. It's hard to look at what Philly did against the Giants and not say. This is by far the better team. They are able to match protect and be able to get hurt some time, and they've got more weapons. I would say the only thing I would, would disagree a tiny bit is that I do think absolute quarterback, you've got a benefit toward the Eagles. Coaching, however, you probably have a benefit for the 49ers. I, I, I like everybody else, think Philly's coach is literally the new honey badger. This guy does not give a rip. He doesn't care if it's a preseason game and playoffs. He's looking for somebody to fight. He's not going to tighten up, go more conservative game plan-wise. I mean, I love this dude. He's perfect for Philly. But he has no experience here in this situation. So that would get me a, a second of pause. But the reality is both these coaches aren't going to play one down. It's going to come down to players. The quarterback, for uh, Purdy has thrown four total passes when they've been down more than one score. They've played, since he's been a starter, teams that are so far inferior to them, minus the Cowboys, who turned it over twice on the road at inopportune times, that he has not been asked to do anything special. This team hasn't even been an underdog since October. They've been they've had a very easy schedule. So if they go to Philly and lose, I think we're, that's probably what we're going to say. The party might be a great player, might be a great quarterback down the road, but he's not been asked to do anything up to this point, and you feel like that will eventually end and, and is there a better place than the team that received the bye, the better team top to bottom, the other team that matches up stats-wise on both sides of the ball? All those things are what Philly is. So providing they don't go turn it over and do a lot of things that are out of their character at this point in the year, then I think they're definitely the right spot. The other kind of interesting thing that I've noticed is, isn't it funny how Christian McCaffrey has all of a sudden become the most healthy player in the NFL? 
This dude didn't play two straight games in Carolina. He's got banged up this. He's got twisted that. Now this guy's 100% every single – it's amazing what winning will do for you, and he's been a huge part of their success. Um, but, but top to bottom, you're right, especially when you factor in that quarterback. I think we're getting a better team at under a field goal, uh, which I like that spot. I do too. Over-under is at 46-and-a-half. I'm leaning towards the under here just because of how good I think these defenses are and how limited I think Purdy is going to be on, on, the, on the offensive side of the ball. What side are you on here with the over-under, Jack? Yeah, both, both top two defenses in the league, but they also both have two of the top five scoring offenses in the league. I can make a pretty good case either way. I tend to lean over a little bit. What we've seen is kind of an ebb and flow of the totals. We had a bunch over in the wild card round. Everything went under last week in the divisional round. And I do think you have some quick strike offenses with, with star players all over the field, not counting the quarterback position. So I can see it kind of trending under for a lot, but then some big explosive plays taking the thing over the total. So just a lean. It's not a, I like Philly more than I do the total over, but I, I think this game of the two has the best chance of making it over the total. Here's another one for you, um, and, and that is uh, Philly has just been so dominant in the first half. They're the hottest starting team in the NFL, first in points per drive, first in touchdowns per drive, and first in scoring per drive in the first half. Um, and so with that being said, I do like the Eagles minus one and a half in the first half as well. I'm going to play that as well. Before we move on to the second game, some prop bets out there. Do, do you dabble in the prop game slate? I had uh, absolutely. I do. I, I next week I definitely will for the Super Bowl. We'll have at least ten to fifteen of them. I'll play. Uh, this last week I had uh, Kelsey over the uh, receptions total of six and a half. I think they were over before everybody got the popcorn and sat down. I mean, he literally was over six and a half early in that game. It was the easiest play on the board. Uh, and so I do. I pick and choose my spots. I don't play a lot of them, but I think when we get to that other game, I would go over with, with uh, Kelsey again. I um I, the the way that you beat the 49ers because they're so good against the run is through the pass. So I've got an anytime touchdown with AJ Brown for plus 120, anytime touchdown with Smith at plus 175 and Quez Watkins I think could be a sneaky good play at plus 850. I've got Hurts over 32 and a half passing attempts because I don't believe that they're going to have any success running the football against the 49ers. And here, my, this might be my, my favorite bet, and that's Purdy over eight and a half rushing yards. Dude's going to be rushing for his life, Jack. Either rushing or getting sacked, you're going to hope he gets by that initial wave and you get up the field a little bit because you're, you're exactly right. He's not going to have a ton of time. So it's what does he do with his time? It's a little like me when I go to the gym. I mean, it's what am I doing with my time? I stay up the water cooler or am I actually getting something done? So if he can get by that initial wave, I think that's a, probably a sneaky good bet out of a player that you're not going to expect to run the ball a lot. The question is going to be how many of those yards do you get back when that Philly front four gets home? All right, let's turn our attention to game number two. Uh, Fat Jack, professional handicapper, fatjacksports.com, joining us as always here on ESPN. And that's Cincinnati now uh, now the dog again. This has been going back and forth because Patrick Mahomes, was he going to play? Was he not? You know, he's practicing. Is he limited? He came out uh, this week and said that he's been feeling good at practice. So as of right now, expecting Patrick Mahomes to start. So now Kansas City favored again by one. Uh, the over-under is at 48. Again, let's look at the uh, the side here first. I'm on the Bengals. I've been on these big cats for a while. What 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 side are you on here? 
Yeah, I, 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 it's like how many times are we going to be beaten the head with the same hammer before we decide, you know what, let's not do that. And we've seen them to do nothing but get it done when they play Kansas City. I will tell you this, Zach Taylor and I went to the exact same high school, and I, when I was not learning French from Monster Williams, apparently he was in a class learning how to peak at the right time in the NFL because this dude has got the secret sauce, and he figured out how to beat Andy Reid, which not many people can say that as well. Mm-hmm. With all that being said, I, I think there's some recency bias that we talked about with what happened up at Buffalo. It was clear early on in that game that Buffalo did not have good traction. As silly as it sounds, they were at home. But they were definitely deficient in getting traction, being able to get pressure on anybody up front uh, with their defense. And Cincinnati, even with the backup linemen, were able to run the ball incredibly efficiently. Uh, four, five, six yards of carry over the first quarter if they're able to do that again, I like Cincinnati again. But I have a, tendency, a feeling that that is not going to happen again this week. I think they're going to have a little bit more trouble running the ball. The interior of, of, of Kansas City's defensive line is a lot better than what Buffalo is presenting in the interior side. And I think they're going to do a better job of stopping the running game. And that's been my problem with Cincinnati going into the playoffs. If With these injuries in the offensive line, if they're not able to run it, get in predictable down in distances where they have to throw it or, and they have to throw it, that's going to be a little bit of a problem for them. This is the absolute hardest part of the entire weekend for me to pick, having nothing to do with Patrick Mahomes' anchor, which is a big part of that. But it's simply because we've seen Cincinnati having the secret sauce to beating Kansas City, but Kansas City at Arrowhead, and especially if you're getting points, you know, Mahomes only been an underdog one of the time this year, and he did get beat that game. But they, he's not underdog very often. And I do think by what we saw last week in the combination of his ankle, we're getting a little value with Kansas City. So I just a slight lean toward the Chiefs minus the points. Here's something interesting. Uh, in the three games, as we know, Cincinnati has beaten Kansas City three times in the last 13 months. Um, Kansas City has led all three games in the third quarter. It's really come down to the fourth quarter. And Cincinnati has outscored Kansas City 59-41. to in the fourth quarter. So I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be, I'm going to really be intrigued. And if it does come down to that and we're heading into the fourth quarter and Kansas city is up and they're only up by a score. Uh, I, that's, that's some, I'm, I'm going to push that, but that in-game betting, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to head to that window for sure. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's definitely a game you're going to want to pay attention to because there's a mm-hmm. ton of tendencies. Once the game starts, rather Cincinnati can run the ball. And then, as you said, if it's close going into the fourth quarter, that has been when Cincinnati has been able to exploit some things, get some receivers running at times wide open, and get some things done. So those in-game plays that we don't talk enough about, there's definitely some value there, especially when these two teams match up. The one thing we know is what these two teams typically want to do in big-game situations against each other. And they're very evenly matched. And, and Cincinnati has gotten the best of it. You said three times in a row, so you're right. Not only paying attention, but those in-game plays might be that might be worth paying paying for dinner at least. Last be, last be, last but not least, before we let you go, um, over under it's at forty-seven and a half. You know, forty-eight in some places. I'm leaning towards the over here. Uh, small lean. Not a lot of conviction because I do have some big concerns about Patrick Mahomes in that ankle, whether or not he'll be able to even finish the game, Jack. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I do a TV show called Beat the Odds. It runs around the country, including on the Yes Network. It'll be on a couple of times on Saturday on the Yes Network. And we give away a top play on that show. 
and I've hit seven the last eight, and I think half of those have been this Kansas City team under the total. They have been very consistent what they've been doing offensively when they play average to below average defenses. They go under the total almost every time. They go over the total, which is contrary to what you think, when they play good defenses, Denver twice, San Francisco, uh, those types of good defenses, uh, they go over the total. This is the absolute middle-of-the-road defense, Cincinnati, 16th out of 32 on defense. Uh, and, and that has nothing to do with the fact that I think both these teams have to run the ball. They've got to – Kansas City has to run it to keep – we don't talk about what happens when Patrick Mahomes' ankle gets hit. Now, even if he gets to 80 85%, if he's rolled up on even one time, it goes to 50% immediately, mm-hmm. and he's in the game with a couple of hits. So they have got to do everything they can to protect him. That is run the ball, get the ball out of his hands quickly, short passing game, back leads to the under – Cincinnati beat Buffalo because they ran at five or six yards to carry in the first quarter and got out in front. They're going to go back to the run. That leads under. I like under in the first half, and I like under in the game. Great stuff as always, Fat Jack. So appreciate you when, when you join us on the program. Uh, FatJackSports.com, that's where you can find him. Uh, enjoy the games uh, this Sunday. We'll talk to you next week. I need to go get him. Let's make a lot of money. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Again, I want to thank Fat Jack for joining us here on Week in Wager. Uh, reminder, I'm back tomorrow, regular time, noon to three. Cynthia Freeland will be joining me. Joe Wiz with his picks and his plays. We might have an appearance with Mama Mimi, but I'll see you tomorrow, high noon, here on 98.70 SPN. Again, I want to thank Tom as well as Chantel for producing the show. Uh, really do appreciate it. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Good luck with your bets this weekend. And... Um, And let's win some money, folks. We can wager here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. ESPN, we can wager. Uh, That's, I, I, listen, I know how great the 49ers defense is. And, and, and I think Brock Purdy's a great story, but boy, did he show his true colors against the Dallas Cowboys. And it's not going to get much easier this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Tim McManus covers the Eagles for ESPN. Again, he joined me on my digital show earlier this week. Let's listen in. We're starting to hear a common refrain from Jalen Hurts. Good enough, Anita, is the way that he responds when asked how that shoulder was. He said that after the Giants win, just as he did the last Giants win in the regular season finale. Now, he told the Fox broadcast beforehand that he was far from 100%, and that lines up with our reporting. He's still dealing with the SC joint sprain in that right shoulder, and the expectation is he's probably going to be feeling that to some degree the rest of the way here. But you can see in that game that he was very effective in the, the six designed runs in the first half tell you all you need to know about the way that the Eagles are feeling about how they can deploy him because they only had one design run the entire game against New York in that regular season finale. So he's obviously feeling better. He's one more week removed from having that injury on December 18th. And the hope is that he continues to trend upward, but he's going to be going up against a a very physical defense, as they know. And so that's something you have to think about. But overall, speaking with Coach Nick Sirianni today, feeling very good about the state of the Eagles' health. Lane Johnson got through. He's dealing with the adductor tear in his groin, uh, but was able to make it through that Giants game. That was good news for them. And overall, they're in a pretty good spot. And that uh, that includes Jalen Hurts, who, who got out of that one clean. So, Tim, the game plan for the Giants was to get after Hurts. Right? They couldn't even they couldn't even sniff him. 
They didn't even know what cologne he was wearing on Saturday night. But what they were able to do is run the football effectively. 268 yards. Miles Sanders was a complete beast. Three rushing touchdowns. But as we know, the 49ers defense against the run, much better than the Giants. With that being said, what are their expectations about how effectively they are going to run the football against the 49ers? Yeah, a talking with Sirianni today, the respect that he has for Niners defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans just came through the screen. Uh, and the way that he was praising him was saying, like, you know how I know a good coach? It's when their players are selling out for them. And he said that's what really pops off the tape, is you can just tell. You know, that the schemes might not be the most exotic. It's actually, it's kind of similar to Phillies, where they play a decent amount of zone. They don't blitz a lot. Uh, but, man, obviously the personnel that they have on all three levels for the Niners is, is super impressive. But also the way that the, the players play for D'Amico Ryans is something that stands out. They know it's going to be very physical. They know that it's not going to be uh, the same way, uh, the same level of resistance that New York showed them. Uh, they know that they're in a dogfight. And so what Sirianni said is, you know, we it's good on good, and that's the way that it should be for an NFC championship game. But they're going to have to be on it uh, in order to get done what they need to get done in this game. Tim, on the offensive side of the ball, it's like a Swiss Army knife when it comes to the 49ers, right? You got C-Mac, Debo, Kittle, Ayuk. I pick your poison in that regard. So with that being said, what challenges do you feel are the Eagles expecting for them defensively having to go up against an offense that has so many weapons? Yeah, let's bring it back to coaching. I mean, Kyle Shanahan and the way that he schemes up this offense is, is a big challenge and something that Sirianni also hit on today, as was the unique playmakers, the way that he called it, with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle. It's not something that they run up against every single week, and there's all, it's also a strong offensive line that they're operating behind. And so they, they recognize you know, just how disciplined uh, they have to be. And, you know, I think the other thing for this team is that they feel good about their personnel matching up against pretty much anybody. You know, this is the, the number one passing defense in the league, number one in sacks. They have the front seven to be able to apply pressure on Brock Purdy. And it looks like they have uh, the defensive front to get it done against what's a, a, obviously a, a pretty good rush offense for the 49ers. I mean, if you just think of the depth that they have along the defensive front, whether it's Linval Joseph and Jordan Davis as kind of like the big space eaters in the middle of that, and the other two defensive tackles, you know, with Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox, not bad. So they're they're able to, to kind of roll bodies in there without having any kind of sharp drop-off. That has come in so handy for this group over the course of the year because that's a lot of what the NFL is is like trying to you know wear down the opposing team and once you get into the backups you know really take advantage and there's just very little drop off for this group it's deep it's talented on all three levels and so even though this is obviously a very respectable offense that's coming in uh, the you know the defense is going to be feeling up for the challenge. Again that's Tim McManus uh, does a great job covering the Eagles and uh, when we get back, uh, we'll talk about the other side of the ball, and that is the 49ers. Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers, will be joining us, and then I will have my picks and plays for you in that matchup, followed by Fat Jack, FatJackSports.com. So still a lot more coming your way, getting you ready for the NFC and AFC championship games right here on Weekend Wager, 98.7 ESPN. Welcome.
Welcome back to Week in Wager here on 98.7 ESPN. We welcome in Nick Wagner. He covers the 49ers uh, for ESPN and does a great job. Uh, 49ers, uh, right now, they're heading to Philadelphia, maybe right now, like as we speak. Philadelphia, the Eagles favored by two and a half. The over-under right now is at 46. That's been fluctuating as well, but it's at 46. Uh, Nick, fill us in on what's going on with the 49ers, first and foremost, you know, health-wise really really key and uh i know christian mccaffrey's dealing with a calf right uh elijah mitchell's dealing with a groin debo samuel's dealing with some issues fill us in on, on on the health of the backfield for the 49ers yeah first and foremost uh christian mccaffrey has, did not practice either of the first two days this week same with elijah mitchell and Kyle shanahan said on wednesday that you know he wasn't going to make any guarantees about their availability for sunday but his expectation is that everybody, well, with the exception of Jimmy Garoppolo, will be available to the 49ers then. Uh, I asked Shanahan today if any of that changed with McCaffrey not practicing for a second straight day, and he said his concerns were the same as they were yesterday, and he kind of feels the same way as he did then. So the expectation still that he'll be able to go. And Christian McCaffrey did speak uh, today, and he said when he was asked if he had any if there was any chance that he wasn't going to play, uh, he said no. He said zero doubt. So he he, he expects to be ready to go. Um, we'll have to kind of wait and see if he does anything on Friday. Elijah Mitchell, things are a little quieter on, but again, Kyle uh, Shanahan seems to indicate that you know for the most part they are still optimistic that they're going to have all hands on deck. Now, if those guys are fully healthy, is a whole other question that I don't think any of us have an answer to right now. I mean, really, at this point in stage in, in, in the season, who really is fully healthy, right? <laughs> yes. Very true. Yeah. Very true. But yeah, in terms, right? just in terms of, you know, will they be able to take on a full workload and those types of things? Um, I think that would all have to get sorted out on Sunday. I'm sure. What about Debo Samuel? Uh, he's, he's dealing with some issues <laughs> as well. What, what is he dealing with? Yeah, it's a weird one, Anita, because on Wednesday, Kyle Shanahan, you know, before practice is when we speak to Kyle Shanahan and the players and, he said at the time that Debo was going to sit out because of an ankle issue. Uh, and then we'd go out to practice about an hour later, and Debo was out there, and he was moving around just fine. And, and I asked Debo, you know, about the ankle, and he said he's just dealing with a little bit of soreness. Uh, but he, did, he also didn't have any doubt that he was going to be ready for Sunday. He's been limited in practice the last couple of days, but got to be honest with you, Anita, from the parts that we get to watch at practice, which granted isn't all of it, he looks like he's fine, and it doesn't seem like it's anything super serious with him. You know, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, with Christian McCaffrey being a part of this offense, his role has changed immensely. Is is he happy? I mean, because he's not the focal point anymore. You know, if, if you were to ask me who's the straw that stirs the drink, to me it is Christian yeah. McCaffrey. But, you know, how, how does how does Debo f- feel about his role this season with, with McCaffrey now part of the team? Yeah, you know, it's funny. He was one of the most excited people in that locker room when they got Christian McCaffrey. And I'll tell you this, and you know, this is – it applies to Debo Samuel, but it applies to a lot of guys. And I've, I've written about this a little bit, but you know, they have a lot of skill possession, skill position talent between Debo and McCaffrey and Mitchell and Ayuk and Juszczyk and Kittle, all those guys. And I think they all kind of came to the realization very quickly that, Hey, if we want to win a Super Bowl, which is the ultimate goal. And this is a team that hasn't shied away from that since the beginning, really of the off season program. I can remember Anita, the first day of training camp, 
them breaking down the huddle by saying the word championship, everybody yelling championship at the same time. So that is kind of the ultimate goal. And so I think they all knew that they were going to have to make some sacrifices along the way. If that meant individual numbers, that's fine. But the goal is to win a Super Bowl. And I know Debo kind of falls into that category too. He was very excited that they got Christian McCaffrey. And I think he views it as Christian McCaffrey also has some gravity to him so that defenses are paying attention to him and open some things up for him. The hard part is, is those two guys haven't been on the field together a lot. Um, we've seen them here in the playoffs, but, you know, Debo got hurt uh, in that Tampa Bay game in early December. So uh, they really have only had, I think, I want to say three or four games uh, fully uh, playing together. So we haven't had a lot of opportunities to see how it works when they're both out there all the time. Nick Wagner joining us here on ESPN, uh, doing a deep dive into what's going on with the 49ers. Maybe I've buried the lead here, and the, and the lead really is Brock Purdy, right? I, I mean, Mr. Yeah. Irrelevant uh, now, you know, helping elevate this 49ers team to an NFC championship game. Uh, but we, we saw we saw a lot of rookie in him last week against Dallas, right? No, no touchdowns, uh, very uh, low, what, 36.9 or 39.6 passer rating, only 50% uh, third down conversion rate. Um, And now, even though, yeah, the Dallas Cowboys get more pressure than anyone else, but all around the Eagles defense is the better defense. They're number one against the pass. What are your realistic expectations for Brock Purdy this week against the Eagles? Yeah, the number one thing that it has to start with for him is taking care of the ball. And and that was really the difference in the game last week, Anita, was that Brock Purdy didn't throw any interceptions. There was one close call, you know, that ball that got deflected and Trayvon Diggs missed the opportunity to come up with an interception. But other than that, his ball security has been really good. In fact, Kyle Shanahan told me this week that it's the number one thing that he's been most impressed with with Brock Purdy is his ability to take care of the ball and um, how that has affected what they do in terms of the turnover battle. So that's kind of where it starts. And I think, I think the other thing for him is, is, you know, we kind of, uh, the way I look at it is every week Brock Purdy is taking a test and so far he has passed all the tests, but also every week the stakes of those tests get bigger. So this is the bigger than the week before and the one before that and, and so on and so forth. And so you're going on the road and it really is going to be a loud, raucous environment in Philadelphia. The only thing even close to that that he's seen this year was in Seattle, which is, interestingly enough, Anita, Kyle Shanahan told me the other day that before the Niners played in Seattle, now mind you, they hadn't even clinched a playoff spot yet at that point, Kyle Shanahan was telling Brock Purdy and the team that this is going to be like a dry run for us because we could see Philadelphia in the NFC championship game. That's a, a true story. They were already thinking ahead that that was a possibility. So about how important it was for Brock Purdy to get that rep in that environment where they could work silent count and have an opportunity to work communication that way. And so um, that is going to be another big part of this. They also have to get off to a quick start. The Eagles, uh, obviously we know what their pass rush is capable of, but they are known for jumping out to lead. And once they do that, if they can make things one, if they make this Niners offense one dimensional and Brock Purdy has to throw, the Niners are going to be in a lot of trouble. On the defensive side of the ball, right? Like this defense, as yep. we know, number one in, in, in the NFL. What's their take? Because I truly, I don't think Jalen Hurts is 100%. Um, yeah. I, I liked the Giants to cover last week at seven and a half because I thought their defense would able would be able to get to him and rattle him up, maybe like re-aggravate that shoulder. Uh, but the Giants couldn't even sniff him. 
I mean, no hits, no sacks, no no hurries, no nothing. I mean, that offensive line was unbelievable. So looking at that game tape, and, and I'm not comparing the Giants' defensive front to the 49ers, Avi, but sure. you know what what what's this? What's the game plan for this 49ers defense? Yeah, they've got a lot to consider, Anita, because if you go and look at how Jalen Hurts has performed against teams that are really good at stopping the run, because let's let's be honest, that's the number one thing that the Eagles' offense wants to do. They want to run the ball down your throat. So if the Niners can stop that, that, that gets them off to a good start. The problem is, is that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles' offense can also beat you over the top. And, and I think there was two games this year the Eagles played against top ten run defenses. One was the Titans. And the other one was the Steelers, and they did a good job. Both of those teams did a good job of stopping the run. But what Jalen Hurts did in those games, I think he averaged something like 330 passing yards in those two games. So basically, if you sell out to stop the run, you could very well be in trouble in terms of deep shots and getting big plays in the passing game down the field. The question is, is the Niners, to your point, do they feel like Jalen Hurts is healthy enough that he can take advantage of taking those deep shots if they're there? Or do the Niners feel like they are good enough all the way around to just play solid defense, let everybody do what they're supposed to do, where you don't have to have an extra person, you know, spying on Jalen Hurts with a linebacker or anything like that, that they can kind of continue to do what they always do, which is play zone coverage and have that front four create pressure. So that's going to be kind of the interesting cat and mouse game there is, is how healthy do they feel Jalen Hurts is. And remember, Anita, these two teams played in week two last year. Jalen Hurts ran for 82 yards and a touchdown in that game. The Niners have not been great against mobile quarterbacks. They didn't see a lot of them this year, but even as recently as New Year's Day against the Raiders in Las Vegas, Jared Stidham, I think he only ran for 34 yards that year, but if you go watch that tape, a lot of the big plays that he made, and he threw for 360-something yards, was because he was able to extend plays with his legs and throw the ball down the field. So all of that is what the Niners are dealing with right now and trying to figure out exactly what they believe Jalen Hurts is capable of and what he's not. Yeah, I, I mean, my thing, though, Nick, and, and I just, yes, we saw Jalen Hurts run, I want to say, like seven times, seven design runs against the Giants, mm-hmm. but they were strategic. They were when there yep. was no Giants players around him, and whenever a Giants player came within three feet of him, he went down. And you don't, you don't, you don't really ever see that with Jalen Hurts. He's always pushing for that extra yard, right? Yeah. I, I feel like we're always seeing him get hit, like as he's trying to get out of bounds, because he's always trying for that extra. You know, he's just he's and he's thick. He's a mm-hmm. thick dude, so I think he feels like he can take the the, the pounding. I just saw a different Jalen Hurts. So I, 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 like a part of me is like. You know, how much is he going to is he going to run against this 49ers defense? Listen, at the end of the day, the statistics don't lie. Right. The way that you beat the 49ers is in the air. So, you know, I so I guess my question to you is, how do you feel that the the secondary is going to match up against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Yeah, if you go back to last year, the Niners played the Titans when A.J. Brown was there. I think it was right before Christmas in Nashville on a Thursday night game. And A.J. Brown had a monster game and. The 49ers, it, one of the reasons that they went out and spent so much money on Trevarius Ward, the cornerback from Kansas City, in the offseason was because they wanted a big physical press corner who they felt like could you know, do better against a guy like A.J. Brown. It doesn't mean they're going to be able to shut him down, but somebody who can at least physically match up with him better than what they had. And so they went out and did that. And so 
Morton has not played great over the last few weeks. You know, he had a tough time against DK Metcalf uh, in that in that wild card round, but he did play really well against DK Metcalf in the first two meetings that the Niners had. So they need that Charvarius Ward against AJ Brown this week from those first two Seattle meetings to show up and have that kind of game. And then, you know, the guy that probably doesn't get enough credit in that Philadelphia offense is Devontae Smith, who is an excellent technician, a really good route runner. Um, and I think the 49ers are going to have their hands full on the other side there. The big thing for them is in that passing game, those two safeties, Talanoa Hufanga, Tayshawn Gibson, both of them have made a lot of splash plays this year, getting interceptions, pick sixes, fumble recoveries, that kind of stuff. But they also have given up their share of big plays, too, by getting caught with their eyes in the wrong place. That Eagles offense, a lot of the zone read-read option stuff that they like to do, that is meant to mess with your eyes. And so those two guys, I think, are really the key to this game, those two safeties. If they can be really disciplined with their eyes, make sure that they're in the right place at all times and not give up some of those big plays. Before I let you go, just big picture, you know, champagne problems in regards to the quarterback situation that this 49ers team is in right now, right? Like, Trey Lance, we know they gave up the world to move up and get him. Jimmy Garoppolo, now we're seeing what Brock Purdy can do. Uh, if, if you were a wagering man, Nick, who would you wager is going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers next year? Yeah, I think as we sit here right now, the answer has to be Brock Purdy. And the way I kind of look at it is, is if you view the starting quarterback job for the 49ers as like a prize at the end of the road, I think Brock Purdy's really far down the road right now. Like, he's almost to that point. But there's still a the little wiggle room. And the thing is, is the Niners don't have to answer that right now. So they're not going to. They're going to get as much information as they can and, and make that decision. But, look, remember back in 2017, the 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo from the Patriots. He started the last five games of that season. The Niners went 5-0, and and Garoppolo played pretty well. Remember what the Niners did that offseason? They made Jimmy Garoppolo the highest-paid player in NFL history at the time that he signed his contract. And that was based off of five games. Brock Purdy has already played more than five games. He started seven, really basically had eight because he played most of that eighth game against Seattle. And he's won games with much bigger stakes than anything Jimmy Garoppolo did. So I think the Niners have to kind of look at it as Purdy is the leader in the clubhouse right now. If he wins another game and becomes the first rookie ever to get to a Super Bowl, I don't know how you could deny him that opportunity. And if he wins it, I think it's all academic at that point. All right, I want to thank Nick Wagner for joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, quick break. Let's hear what uh, Fat Jack, professional handicapper, fatjacksports.com, his picks and his plays heading into uh, this coming weekend. So stay tuned. Fat Jack next here on Weekend Wager, 98.7 ESPN. Good evening, David. How you doing? Good, good, good. You ready? Uh, we only got three games left of the NFL season. Are you ready for them? I know. It's kind of sad, right? It's like bittersweet, right? Like really excited for Sunday. I feel Sunday is going to be a really big treat because let's be honest, all four of these these teams uh, could advance and, and are, are all very worthy of playing in the Super Bowl. And then, of course, the Super Bowl, and then it all goes away uh, for, for quite a few months. Uh, but before we dive into that, I, I do want to start off talking some golf really quick. We've, we've got the, uh, the Farmers Insurance Open taking place at Torrey Pines. And uh, at the top of the leaderboard, Sam Ryder is up there at 12 under. He shot a 72 today. But boy, John Rahm, he's back in it. He's just two shots back. I don't think Sam's sleeping well tonight. Uh, John Rahm's shot a 66 today. If he wins this tournament, he will have won 
what was it coming in? I want to say he won four of the six. So he would win five of the seven last tournaments that he will have teed up. Uh, is, is there anything or anyone hotter than John Rahm right now, David? No, John Rahm is, is, is channeling his inner Tiger Woods. The last time we saw someone win five of six and three in a row would be Tiger. Like this is something that you and I grew up watching Tiger do this year after year. And then, you know, as Tiger got older, we always said, who's the next Tiger? Who's the next Tiger? Went anywhere from Rory to Jordan to Ricky to even Sergio. And, you know, they had a good season, one player of the year, one majors here or there, but they never put it all together like Tiger did and won consistently. And you're beginning to see that with John Rahm. He's, you know, dominating tournaments. He's coming back in tournaments like he did last week. Uh, and then you get to Torrey Pines. And, yeah, he did us all a favor on on, it's hard to say Wednesday because they never started on Wednesday. He went out there on Wednesday on the hard course, on the south course, uh, and, and, and played pretty bad to the point where his live number got to 20, 22, 24 to 1. And, and that's what people like you and I who, who, who follow the golf every single day like to see because John Rom's going to win this tournament tomorrow. And I had already taken him pre-flop at, at 8.5 to 1. So I didn't need to get in on board. But if you're someone who doesn't like to take a player at 6 or 7 to 1, and it's a perfect live opportunity because of the way Torrey Pines is set up with an easy course and a hard course, he went out there on the on the easy course on, on, on Thursday, dominated, got sort of in the mix, and then he flipped the switch today. And what you saw him today on the difficult south course at Torrey Pines was nothing short of mastering. He goes birdie, bogey, birdie, birdie, eagle to finish the front nine and then played okay on the back. Um, I know he's still two shots back. And, and listen, give credit to Sam Ryder. Ryder is someone that nobody had on the radar. He had missed the cut three of his last four events, hadn't been playing well, and then dominates the first couple of days and held course today. We saw a lot of players go the other way today. Uh, Taylor Montgomery, uh, Justin Thomas, Jason Day, uh, Brendan Steele. We saw a bunch of them go the other direction while Ryder shot an even par. Um, I don't think even par will be enough tomorrow to win because John Rahm might go out there and shoot another five or six under par. Um, I think he wins the tournament, but your boy Tony Finau, right behind him. I know you were kind of probably worried the other day when he was below the cut line, had a birdie 18 to get in, but now he's right there in third place. Yeah, absolutely. That's who I picked to win this tournament coming in. So Tony Finau shot a 64 today. John Rahm shot a 66. So John Rahm two shots back. Finau four shots back. Finau plays exceptional golf on the left coast. The Gala as well. Uh, he's in the mix, tied for fourth. Another guy that I liked coming in this tournament was Max Homa, another Cali dude who plays well. Uh, both the Gala and Max Homa are seven under, tied for fourth. Some other guys that I liked coming in, uh, Steele, I did like. Um, I know Tyler uh, Fulgham liked Jason Day coming into this tournament. Um, uh, Montgomery, as you said, unfortunately he shot a 75 today, so he he jumped down to tied for 24th, which isn't great. I have money on him to finish in the top 20, and Burmeister as well uh, is tied for 24th. I have money on him to finish in the top 20 as well. So, um, so that's where it stands right now. And, and, and like I said, there's, there's no hotter thing, person, team, than, than John Rahm. Can you, can you imagine if he does win this, that he will have won five of his last seven tournaments that he teed up in? It, it's, it's really, it's, it's unbelievable yeah. golf that we're witnessing here right now. 
Yeah, he's playing awesome. He's playing great in all phases of the game, and, and he was so short this week because of, this is his favorite course. He wins two in a row. He wins four of six, and then he goes and plays the course that he won a major on last year, and he got you know married on, and we all know the stories about how much he loves Tory Pines. I got a chance to be out there in 2008 with the with the epic Rocco versus Tiger battle, and, and that's a tough course. And to see John Rahm shoot six under today and Tony Finau shoot eight under today, I mean, that, that's that's one of the hardest courses out there. It's, it's the longest course on tour. Uh, the, the rough is tough. It's you know I, I've walked it, and it's amazing that that's the same type of golf course as you and I play. How hard it is out there, um, and, and to see Tony Finau go six under, uh, eight under, and Rom six under, those are just incredible numbers. I don't see that happening tomorrow, but I do think that Rom loves this course so much and plays it so well uh, that yeah, riders will be sleeping or half asleep on this on this lead. And I, I mean, Anita, he keeps doing this. You're, you're looking at should be the favorite to win all of the majors this year. He's not going to win them all, uh, but I see no reason why this guy couldn't couldn't win the Masters in April. Uh, by the way, you can wager that John Rahm is going to win tomorrow at plus 120. I'm actually surprised that it's 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 still at plus money, David. Uh, if you're like me and you're rooting hey. for Tony Finau, uh, couldn't ask for uh, couldn't root for a better individual. He's a mensch. Uh, seven to one for Tony Finau, Tony Finau to win it. So are, are you really Max Homa's 18 to one? Again, those are three dudes that uh, that I was looking at potentially winning this coming in. Are are you surprised it's at, it's it's at plus money at plus one twenty? Only because he's two shot backs on a two shot back <laughs> on a tough course. Um, I did think it was going to be minus money when I went and yeah. looked just before uh, the call. Yeah. Um, I did since I already had Rom before the tournament. Um, I didn't play him again, but I did throw some coin on Tony Finau because I did like the seven to one price. I think it stops there. I mean, even though you have the Gala, Montgomery, Homa, a whole bunch of guys one behind them. I don't see them jumping Finau and Rom and Ryder coming back down to the point where they can win. So I think it's a three-man race, and the odds show that as those three are the only single-digit odds. Uh, plus money did surprise me, but I mean, he is two shots back on a tough course. I do, I do think he gets it done. Um, I kind of wish I had thrown some coin on him after Wednesday's first round, but I was already pot committed elsewhere. Uh, I did like Max Homa as well. I do have Jason Day top 10 and top 20, just like Tyler does. Um, and I do need Montgomery, too, to pick it up because I have him top 10 at plus 320. So hopefully that one will cash. Uh, shout out to Willie Z, who threw a bunch of my money in the toilet on Thursday. But, you know, <laughs> when you can't putt, you can't putt. Holy moly, was that a bad round. <laughs> yeah, it was. All right, uh, before we let you go, let's turn our attention to the NFC and AFC Championship Games, an exciting Sunday. Uh, Eagles favored by two and a half, over-under is 46. Who do you have in this matchup? I like the Niners. I've been kind of tossing and turning all week on this one, and in all due respect, the Eagles are a great team. I picked them last week against the Giants. I think you owe me another bottle of wine for that one. Um, but I just think the 49ers' defense is just that good. Brock Purdy is doing enough with what he has and with CMC in the backfield, and you have you know, Debo and Ayuk and, and Kittle. It's just it's a team that's built to win the Super Bowl that it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is because Shanahan's that good as a coach. The defense is that dominating. And I think this is going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a low-scoring slugfest. That's what the 49ers love the most. Um, and I see this being, you know, you saw what happened in the Dallas game last week and you saw other games that the Niners play. I think the Eagles will do more. Uh, than Dallas did, and you know Dallas with with Dak Prescott and company couldn't do anything on offense. So I see this around 
I don't know, 24-17-ish, but I do think the uh, the Niners get it done and go to the Super Bowl. I'm surprised. So you're 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 putting you're going to put your hard earned money. I know how hard, how hard you work. You are our gatekeeper. You're going to put your hard earned money believing in a rookie quarterback who is drafted last overall to play with those insane fans in Philadelphia, David. I am not putting my money on a rookie quarterback. I'm putting my money on one of the better defenses we've seen in a very long time. A coach who has proven that he knows how to at least get to the big stage. We're still not sure he can put on the big stage as we've seen him blow up before. I'm betting on that the rookie quarterback doesn't lose the game. Because he managed that game last week against a better defense in Dallas than with Philadelphia. Philly has a good defense, and their offense is better than Dallas's. But from what I saw last week's game, the way that he managed the game, it wasn't great. Like, Brock Purdy doesn't need to go win the game. He just needs to manage it. He has – I mean, he won a game – against the Dallas defense where Christian McCaffrey had 35 yards of rushing, period. He used McCaffrey out of the backfield. He used Kittle. He used his wide receivers all over the place. And that's what Shanahan does. He knows that he could not run with McCaffrey. And he was able to use the offense in a different direction, picking on the tight end and using the wide receivers out of the backfield. He's going to be able to use McCaffrey against the Eagles. The Eagles' rush defense is nowhere near what Dallas's is. So I think McCaffrey is going to churn some clock. You know, they, they have Eli Mitchell back there as well. I think they're going to be able to control the clock and slow down what is a very dynamic Eagles offense to the point where I think the Niners are just a team that can grind this out. And I'm not concerned that Brock Purdy was the last pick of the draft. And I think even though he's doing a serviceable job, they don't need Joe Montana back there. There have been quarterbacks who have won or gone to Super Bowls before like Brock Purdy because of what they have surrounded them by. And I think this team is in in prime position to pull this off. And, yes, I loved what I saw of the Eagles last week. I predicted it on this very show a week ago that the Eagles would show up. I'm still not convinced they're back to being the 8-0 Eagles. Um, But this 49ers team is really, really, really good and built to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, again, he is David Behrman joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Before we let you go, the uh, the second game on Sunday is the Kansas City Chiefs, favored by one and a half, going up against the Bengals. The over-under is 48. I think the wrong team is favored here. What say you? Can I pick John Rom to win the AFC Championship? <laughs> Honestly, Anita, this is – Hey, I told, I told our boss, Scott Clark, earlier tonight, that's what I was going to tell you. He's like, who are you going to tell Anita's going to win these games? I said, I'm going to go with the 49ers and John Rom to win the AFC. He laughed just like you did. Um, I've gone back and forth. I opened the week thinking Kansas City is the best team in football. I've been writing them all year. I've bet on them numerous times. Not necessarily to cover spreads, as you know they don't, uh, but that the Kansas City Chiefs would win the Super Bowl. Um, and then I watched what, what the Bengals did to the Bills, and I'm starting to have second guesses. Then Mahomes gets hurt, and you're like, well, maybe the Bengals will win this game because Mahomes is hurt. Now I hear Mahomes is off the injury report. He's not injured at all. He has no limited at least what they say, he's not limited, and, mm-hmm. and that scares me a little bit. So quite honestly, Anita, I really don't know who's going to win this football game. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. And if you were smart enough to take the Bengals when they were the underdog and then smart enough to take the Chiefs when they were the underdog in this yo-yo of a point spread and hope that it's a 31-30 game, you might win both sides of it. That's what I would tell you you should have done is buy the Bengals plus money, buy the Chiefs plus money, and hope for a one-point win. Um, I haven't taken either side yet. I haven't decided who I'm taking, so I'm not going to give out a play here. Uh, it would not surprise me to see 
Joey Burrow and, and that offense go in there. And they, of the four teams left, the Chiefs have the worst defense. Of the four teams left, the Chiefs have the best offense. Um, it depends on which one shows up. I could see the Chiefs going toe-for-toe toe and winning a shootout, um, and I can also see them not stopping the Bengals at all. So um, you're not going to want to hear pass. If you told me I had to make a play for a pool, I'm probably going to take the Chiefs. But that's by no means a strong play. It's a lean, and yeah, I, I would you. absolutely buy every argument that people say about the Bengals. I have tickets on both to win the Super Bowl, so – I won't be mad if either one makes it. One of them's going to. Um, I actually think this is this is going to be one hell of a game, and I think it literally is going to come down to the last play, and, and we're going to have a, a fun time watching it. Um, it's a coin flip, the lean points, but I do think Kansas City is the better overall team. Listen, the three games uh, that they've played in the last 13 months uh, has all been decided by three points. So I, I just, I just, I think the wrong team is favored here. Uh, David, always great having you on. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, good luck uh, tomorrow and, of course, Sunday. I will. Enjoy. Uh, I'm going to be watching some golf tomorrow and football on Sunday. And I think this is the smartest thing the PGA Tour ever did is, is moving this tournament up to Wednesday so we can enjoy both. There you go. David, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. He's David Behrman. I'm Anita Marks. You're listening to Weekend Wager. Quick break. We come back. We'll hear from Tim McManus. He covers the Eagles for ESPN. We'll get an update what's going on with the Eagles as they get ready to host the 49ers on Sunday. More to come. 90.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.